Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. I'm thankful that you're here this morning, aren't you? Amen. God has been so good to us. Amen. I know as a nation we have celebrated a day of Thanksgiving, and to many that just meant another reason to have a party or another day off or for some just another reason to shop. But I am wanted to really pause and just thank God for His strength and His goodness and His power and His mercy and His love. He's been so much better to me than I've been to Him. And I want to love Him with every fiber of my soul. Let's make every portion of this service about Him and not about us. Amen. About Him and not about us. Praise the Lord. I wonder if we could just love Him one more time. What a presence we feel. I love you, Jesus. Oh, God, I praise and magnify your holy name. You're righteous. You're holy. You're pure. God, we never have to question your motives. We never have to wonder what you're doing, God, behind the scenes. We know that you have our best interest in mind. And so I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name that your spirit will touch us and strengthen us now in the fear of the Lord, in the fear of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. There is something I would like to ask you to pray with Sister Boyd and I about this coming Tuesday. We have had a trip scheduled for a long time. We are going to be leaving Tuesday for Carlsbad, New Mexico. We will be ministering several times while we are there and just pray that God will help us not only have a safe trip there and home but um, you know as a pastor just a few weeks ago as a pastor and as a church just a few weeks ago we were so blessed by the ministry of Brother Trey Davis and and in all honesty he didn't come in here and introduce any new doctrine or throw any new theories our way but he just came with a fresh anointing and encouraged and strengthened us and and with that on my mind my prayer has been lord i trust that we can go there and and do and be the same thing for this congregation and so just pray for us that the lord will help us to indeed accomplish that as always you will be in great hands here and you will be well fed and uh, we don't want anything to even dip while we're away there's no need for it to we've got great help Great shoulders to place responsibilities upon. Great ministries. You're not just going to be getting by till we get back. Amen. God has been so good and favored us. And, and so we just ask you to keep that in mind um, in the next several days. And just pray with us and pray for us, if you will, to be a blessing there. And uh, we also uh, are, are going to enjoy... A uh, little part of the world we've never experienced. And uh, maybe it's just dry and dusty desert, but we've never been there. And uh, so we're going to 
uh, see something we've never seen before, and so we pray that God will help us. Also remember that this evening, Brother Raymond Woodward will be ministering in the evening service in Gainesville at 6 p.m., and if you are interested in going there, we would certainly admonish you to do that. Brother Woodward's ministry has challenged us to the core in our district, and, and just a few weeks ago here on a local level as we shared a message at General Conference, from General Conference, and so I'm confident you'll be blessed, blessed today. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to join me in the book of Second Kings chapter 4. We're going to begin reading at verse 38, and we're going to read down through verse number 41, and pray that God will just help us in His own unique way to speak uh, something today that will be of relevance in our heart, not just for this morning, but uh, to be able to grasp something that we can uh, pull into the fabric of who we are as men and women, and certainly as Christians in this hour. And I know that's a term loosely tossed around today, but I want to be a Christian. I want to be like him. Amen? Second Kings 4 and 38, the Bible says, And Elisha came again to Gilgal, and there was a dearth or a famine in the land. And the sons of the prophets were sitting before him. And he said unto his servant, Set on the great pot, and seethe pottage for the sons of the prophets. And one went out into a field to gather herbs, and found a wild vine, and gathered thereof wild gourds, his lap full, and came and shred them into the pot of pottage, for they knew them not. So they poured out for the men to eat, and it came to pass, as they were eating of the pottage, that they cried out and said, O thou man of God, there is death in the pot, and they could not eat thereof. But he said, Bring meal, and he cast it into the pot, and watch this. And he said, pour out for the people that they may eat. And there was no harm in the pot. Now, I'm going to, um, my subject today is something that we'll just have to link a little bit later. But I'll give you my subject this morning. I want to preach to you from this thought, guardians of truth. Guardians of truth. Because I really believe that's what the church is in this hour. I truly believe that if we could understand the responsibility we have to be guardians of truth. We're not here uh, just to have a steeple to pierce skies and to have buildings to woo, but we are, we are guarding the most valuable truth known to man, and that is the Word of God. It's the book you hold in your hand or, or whatever form of Bible you may have in your hand today, maybe an iPad, a phone, or whatever. But that, that marvelous truth, it's what we are called upon to be guardians, to keep that, to preserve that. Amen. And so with that thought in mind, we'll try to link this all together in a few moments. Let's pray and ask God to touch this word to our heart. I love you today, and I ask you, Lord, to minister in this house and strengthen us by the power of the Holy Ghost. God, let your anointing be for us what we need it to be. I pray today, God, that it will be strength. I pray that it will be hope. I pray that it will be salt and that it will be light. 
I pray, God, that it will be a preventative measure that we plant in our heart, not only to help us today, but to help us into our tomorrows. And I ask you today to just be so kind, be so kind as to break this word down and help us grasp this truth in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. And you you can be seated. We have, uh, in these passages of scriptures, we have been introduced not only to the ministry of Elijah, but we are now following the ministry of his son in the gospel, Elisha. And uh, we know that Elisha, when uh, asked what he would like to have, said, I would like a double portion of your spirit, or the double portion of the spirit that is upon you. Elijah admitted that he had asked a hard thing, a difficult thing, and then he gave him the protocol by which all of that would take place. He said, if you see me when I depart, then this would be granted. Elijah had seven notable miracles in his ministry, and we see as we trace the life and the ministry of Elisha that in fact God and his kindness did honor the request of Elisha and he had 14 notable miracles in his life and ministry. But to grasp the significance of all of the miracles, the combined miracles of Elijah and Elisha, I think what we have to do is understand the context or the atmosphere in which all of this took place. We have to understand that everything they did, in, especially miraculously in their ministries, was done against the backdrop of a very idolatrous hour and an idolatrous country in, and of Baal worshipers. They were surrounded by false prophets and they were surrounded by men and women who worshiped Baal, a false god. In the northern kingdom of Israel where Elijah and Elisha ministered, the people, including their leaders, had abandoned the Lord they had abandoned God and His Word, and they had given themselves to the worship of Baal. In the 28th chapter, I'm jumping here real quickly, but in the 28th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, as you begin to read through the 28th chapter, the chapter is almost divided in half. And as you begin to read throughout the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy, the Lord promised the nation of Israel that if they were faithful to Him, and if they followed after his word, etc., etc., that he would bless them. And so we read about all of these scriptures just consecutively about if you will do this, I will bless you, I will honor you, and I will bless generations to come, and so on. But then as you get about midway of this chapter, then all of a sudden the complexion of all this changes, and the Lord essentially says, however... If you disobey me, if you go against me, and if you seek after idolatry, and if you worship other gods, then all of the blessings that were here just, just a moment ago listed now are all going to be curses. And uh, so God is very serious about, about all of this. And, it's, and the reason God was so serious about this is because that Israel had been chosen by God to be guardians of truth. They were his children. They were his own. And so this was not just an ordinary sect of people that were just uh, meandering about the earth. But they had been chosen by God. Because they had been chosen by God, there were some mandates that were placed upon them. 
And I think you can see the New Testament connection here uh, in full view that because God has baptized us with his spirit, that he has called us out and set the church aside, that, that we're, we're not to be like the world and, and we're not to think like the world and, and on and on and on. Why? Because we've, we've been given a responsibility. Again, I, I don't want to make too many detours, but if you study the life of Samson in his, in his birth, he was born for a cause. He was born for a reason. He wasn't born just to be a strong man. He was born because they, Israel needed a deliverer and, and, uh, he was born and in the, in the, the process of his birth, the angel spoke, the, the angel of the Lord spoke to not only his mother, but his father and, and, uh, began to give them explicit instructions of how to raise Samson and, and he was to not cut his hair and he was to not touch any dead thing. And there were many things that were listed there that was a Nazarite vow, what we know as a Nazarite vow. And so he looked like an ordinary person. Uh, you know, uh, Samson wasn't 13, 14 feet tall. He wasn't standing there with biceps that looked like tree trunks. He was a rather ordinary looking man. But the spirit, the Bible says that the spirit of the Lord would come upon him. At times, it would come upon him. And so he was used of God for a specific purpose. Of course, we know through some very poor decisions on his part that he circumvented the will of God for his life. But my point is this, that he was born for a specific purpose and at a specific time. And so here is the church in this hour. We're, we're not just here to just take up space and to mark time. And if we're not careful, we'll get so caught up in our own lives that we forget that we are guardians of truth. And so we must be very, very careful. And so the Lord put all of these mandates upon Israel. Back to Deuteronomy 28. He said, I'll bless you if you do this. But if you don't do this, I'm going to curse you. It's not because God's on a power trip, but it's because God said, I've called you out for a purpose. And you can't forget your purpose. You've got to stay focused. They were to be a witness of the righteousness and of the power of God and of the truth of God's word. Leviticus 26 sets forth many laws of God concerning obedience and blessing and also concerning disobedience and cursing. The cursing is described in five cycles of discipline which God would mandate and bring upon Israel one after the other. The discipline would continue through each of these cycles unless Israel repented, amen, until the fifth, which would, which then would ultimately result in captivity and, and dispersion among other nations. They would just be uh, held captive, but God had given them chance and chance and chance and chance. That sounds much like where we are today, right? Amen. It's a very serious thing when you think about it. One aspect of God's blessings is that He demonstrates the reality of His power. The reality of His power. And so in the reality of His power was the blessing of rain and how rain would would cause the land to be productive. It was a blessing of God. And so when we see the rains come, I know it's just kind of ho-hum and we think about some people really like rainy days and other people don't like rainy days, but when the, when the rain comes down, always try to remember this, irrespective of the fact that it may have ruined your plans or altered your plans for the day, that's a blessing from God. 
That is a blessing from God. That's how the grass grows. That's how the flowers in the field are are all taken care of. God said, I'm going to take care of that. When you walk across the yard in the morning and get your newspaper, don't complain because your slippers are wet. That's a blessing of God. Amen. That's that, that. That's not a fluke. That's God has said. I, it's not going to rain today, but I'll tell you what I'll do. I will kiss you with enough dew to sustain you for today. Amen. Sustain you for today. So here it is. I find it interesting to note that Baal was proclaimed to be a god of thunderstorms, or supposedly he was a god who brought rain and productivity to the land. He was also hailed as a god of fertility, but they're in a famine. And they're still serving Baal. And their crops are drying up. And they're dying away. It proved that Baal could not supply what the people needed. In place of rain, they received drought. Basically, the real problem was a battle for their mind and the belief systems of men. And we're not far removed from that today. The real battle that we're facing is a battle of the mind and of our belief system today. In in essence, it was a battle for the Word of God. And we need the Word of God. I, I will tell you one more time that it is the Word of God is the most valuable thing that we have in all that we do. It is the most valuable thing. The Word of God should be a part of every day of our life. Somehow, some way, some shape, some form, some fashion. For many, many, many years now, I know that a lot of our church family, I'm not confident 100%, but a lot of our church family follows some sort of daily Bible reading plan. If you're not a part of that, I would just admonish you for your own sake to get a part of that. This is not a contest. This is not a speed reading journey. But it is about getting some of the Word of God in our lives. Amen. That He'll bring to your remembrance... Oh, yes, He will. He'll bring to your remembrance that word when you need it. You think, well, I, I wasted seven minutes or I just wasted 12 minutes of my day. I don't think I understood any of that. But let me suggest something to you. If you stop any child, any, especially some, a real young child, you stop them right time they get off that yellow school bus and ask them what they learned today and they're going to say nothing. And so long before you draw the conclusion that it's a waste of your time and a waste of your effort and energy to buy all those school clothes and to ship them away for several hours a day, just hang in there because in the midst of what all they think they're not getting, something is being broken off and placed into them and and they're learning slowly how to count, slowly how to read. And so the Word of God, you may come to church and leave and, and think, I didn't get anything out of that. I didn't really understand anything about that. But just come and let the Word, let the Word go forth. I'm going somewhere now. Amen. Let me pause long enough to make a point here because I have watched this play out too many times. If we're not listening to the Word on a regular basis and obeying the Word, now you can't just listen to the Word, you got to obey the Word, but when you the Word of God comes forth and it touches our heart and we think, you know, I'm going to make a conscious decision to line up to what the Word says. Not what the preacher's talking about, but the Word of God. Amen. Then and only then uh, do we allow the Spirit of God to begin to change how we think, how we view things, how we understand. Amen. If we're not hearing the Word of God and obeying the Word of God on a regular basis, then if you're not careful, you'll begin to take on the viewpoint 
and the values and the belief system of the world that you live in. Because something is influencing you. That's why we say that every time these church doors are open, you ought to be here. You know why? Because we understand we're in the fight of our life. Amen. We're in the fight of our life. And you know, I, I really hate to mention this. I, I don't hate to mention this, but I'm, I'm conflicted when I mention this about being faithful to church because what happens is somebody that missed the last service because they had a fever of 105 are feeling guilty. And somebody that just didn't even care enough to get here are not even getting this. Amen. That too much for after Thanksgiving? Amen. We need the Word of God. Why? We're guardians of truth. He didn't just give us the Holy Ghost so we can go find a pew and, and, and do whatever we want to do when we want to do it and decide when we get here if we feel like worshiping or if we feel like praying, clip, clap, clapping our hands or whatever. We're guardians of the truth of God. And I need, if I don't, if I don't allow God's Word to shape my belief system, then the world is shaping my belief system. If I don't allow the value and the truth of God's Spirit and His holiness and His righteousness to start honing down the values of my life and then the values of my marriage and then the values of my home, then the world is molding and shaping the values of my life, my marriage, and my home. Because whether we admit it or not, something, whether you even acknowledge it or not, something is molding and shaping how we think. Amen. So when societies go this route, they become like this pot of death that's mentioned in Scripture. It was for this purpose that God raised up Elijah and Elijah. They were two mighty prophets of God. And these were men through whom God used to perform mighty miracles. I said seven in the ministry of Elijah, 14 in the ministry of Elisha. So 21 very notable miracles. These miracles were to validate the reality and the truthfulness of the Word of God. They were not there, they were not there to make Elijah and Elisha famous. <laughs> they were not there to make them household names. They were given miracles and signs to validate the Word of God. It was through these men that the Lord sought to turn Israel back to Himself and back to the validity of His Word, therefore turning them away from the idolatry of the nations, the land that they were living in, to get them away from false teaching. The miracles were first and foremost signs to validate the messenger because the messenger needs credibility. And let me just say this this morning to anybody that, you know, there were several of our ministers here in the church. And so if anybody has any, uh, unction about wanting to be a preacher or on any level be a, um, involved in the ministry, let me tell you, the very first thing you must have is integrity. And if you don't have integrity, you haven't got anything. Nothing. You may can sing like a bird. You may can do all kind of things. But if we don't have integrity, that's where it all begins. And so there has to be a validation of the messenger. Amen. Well, how much confidence would you have in me this morning standing here preaching to you if the bill collectors were knocking on the doors? We had ushers out there saying, just keep them away. Please let the man finish. We'll get him to pay his light bill. Well, I need to move on. It got really, 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 really tight right there, didn't it? we got to have credibility. And so God says, I need to validate the messenger. 
I need to validate the man that is bringing the message. And so I'm going to let my spirit move through him. And there will be signs and wonders. And this is going to validate that my hand is upon this man. Amen. So we need that in, in our lives. And so it was to validate them. This was only in order only in order to validate the message. And hear me. It was not just to lift up the men. But it was to validate the message. So the messenger has to have validation in order for the message to have validation. And so through, through, though the nation as a whole had turned from God, there were some who hadn't. Thank God. There were many who hadn't, as a matter of fact. There were at least 7,000, we do know that, who had not bowed their knee to Baal. Because the servant of Elisha thought, man, we're just in this thing by ourselves. He said, Lord, open his eyes and just let him see for a moment. Just let him understand. Amen. Then, in addition to these, or a part of these 7,000, it's where we're coming to, believe it or not, in our text here today. This includes three schools of prophets, as the Scripture refers to them. The schools of prophets were somewhat like our modern seminaries or Bible colleges, if we would look at it in that regard. One such school was at Gilgal where we read in our text in Second Kings. Elisha had returned to Gilgal where the school of prophets were located. And the first point brought to our attention in verse 38 is the fact that Elisha returned. And that can't be lost to us. Okay? Because sometimes we just pick out bits and pieces of the Bible we like and that's our favorite verses. But let's not get lost in the story because Elisha could have remained in the home of the Shunammite because she and her husband were providing everything that he needed. So he could have just stayed there and said, you know, it's, it's kind of tough times, so I'm just going to lay low until the storm passes over. But that's not what he did because Elisha had the heart of a shepherd and he was bound to his duty and responsibility. And so he left the home of the Shunammite and he came to where the prophets were because there was a need and that need was to teach the word of God to some young up and coming prophets. Amen. It was a time of famine. But during this time of famine turned to be a great opportunity to communicate the, the truth of God's word to these future preachers of the gospel. And so it's important to understand that, that this all took place in the land of promise. How odd. It is the land which God swore He would give Israel, and He had done that. God had also promised to bless the land and make it fruitful. God had, had begun to do that, but there was a contingency policy, and that contingency was if Israel will obey the Lord. That's all it takes is you just have to obey the Lord. But God has also promised that if you do not obey Him and His Word, this is what, let's read just a couple of verses from Deuteronomy 28 and verse 23 and 4. The Bible says, And as the heaven that is over thy head shall be brass, and the earth that is under thy feet shall be iron, the Lord shall make the rain of thy land powder and dust, from heaven shall it come up down upon thee until thou be destroyed. Now this doesn't sound like a loving God, but it does sound like a serious God. A God that said, if you will, I will, but if you don't, you better look out. 
Everybody just wants to picture God in this loving way and not a God of judgment. He is a God of mercy. and He is a God of grace. And David said, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. But we can't lose the fact that God also has some rules. Amen. He said, if you will, I will bless you. But if you don't, I will curse you. Amen. Amen. Not a popular message in our day. Everybody wants the blessings and nobody, we want the blessings with no, with no, uh, uh, investment. We want the blessings with no strings attached. We just want everything to come our way. But God said, I will bless you. I just want you to love me and serve me with all of your heart. To really appreciate, I think, the, fa- the, the, the setting of this famine. It's important to understand that one of the teachings I mentioned a moment ago of Baal was the fact that he was a god of rain and fertility. And so here they are in the middle of a literal drought, in the middle of a famine. However, the real problem, I I know a drought and a famine is a problem, but the real problem was that they were living without the inspiration of the Word of God. Amen. You know, I know our country for several years has been... Yeah, going through some pretty lean times. But let me remind you of something. This is not the first time that America has been in this, kind, in this kind of condition. As a matter of fact, history teaches us it's been in far worse situations than we're in right now. And you know what? The church sustained. Amen. The church made it. I, I'm going to tell you what, I, I was, I'm a little hesitant to say this, but I, I, I'm just going to tell you this morning. I, I'm not saying this in a boastful way. I say it very humbly. But my prayer in the morning, a part of my prayer is I think about how that God blessed these, that were these, these prophets, these members of the school of the prophet. They were blessed as long as they sat at the feet of the prophet. Am I right? Come on, some, some Bible, some, some of you Bible thumpers, amen. <laughs> as long as they were at the feet of the prophet, God said, I'm going to feed you and I'll take care of you. Now, it, it may not have been filet mignon. It, it may not have been the finest of the fine, but they were sustained. And my prayer has been, God, I've been, I pray for our church family. I pray for our church family at, at large, but I pray for it also in particular. And here's my prayer. And I don't think I have a right to pray anything more than this. But I say, Lord, I want you to bless every member of our church as long as they stay at the feet of the prophet. Amen. Now, lest somebody just misunderstood me, my prayer is not every morning has, my prayer every morning has not been, Lord, I want you to bless the members of Hatchman Apostolic Church as long as they worship me. No, no, no. But he said that the prophets, the sons of the prophets were blessed as they sat at the feet of the prophet. I have to pray that way. Because I can't ask God to bless you if you're living a life that's unblessable. I can't ask God to bless you if you're being unfaithful to Him. I can't ask God to bless you if you're, if you're not being loyal to Him, if you're not being consistent with Him. But if you give what you, if you give what you're supposed to give, not only of our finances, but of our time and our effort and energy, then, you know where you are? You're at the feet of the prophet. And it's at the feet of the prophet and only there that God can bless us. 
Amen. I, I know this has been pointed out many times through the years, but but uh, just allow me to say it one more time. You just can't you just can't put some conglomeration together and call it a meal or call it a snack and then say, now Lord, we ask you to bless this to the nourishment of my body. You just can't get a whatever they call those triple burgers at Wendy's and you know mega size the fries and get a sixty four ounce Coke and say now Lord bless this to the nourishment of my body. It ain't gonna happen. It's not going. It's not going to happen. And I know sometimes we all we all get caught off guard. We, we, my wife and I live. A lot of our life on the go and in the car, and there have been many times we had to go through the drive-thru. We eat as healthy as you can. If there's any, if you can say healthy and fast food in the same sentence, I don't know. But there have been many times I've been driving out of that drive-thru, and I close my eyes and hold it up and say, Lord, do what you can. <laughs> Just do the best you can. Amen. I'm, I'm telling the truth. I said, Lord, Lord, just... I can't ask you to bless this and turn it into something healthy, but just do what you can. In Jesus' name, and here we go. But we can't live an unblessable life. I'm way, way off track. We went from the school of the prophets to a McDonald's drive-thru. Did you catch that? We're back out on the road now. We're going back to the school of the prophets. Bless them. Bless them as long as we live our lives in a blessable fashion. We have to live our lives in a blessable fashion. So they're in a literal drought, but they're in a drought of the Word of God and some principles that we gain from this. That when a nation turns from God, away from the Lord, it not, it not only reaps what it has sown, but think about it. It also brings judgment, the judgment of God on innocent people. It affects godly people as well. Sure it does. Even though God would and did supply their needs, they were still suffering the consequences of an idolatrous generation. In like fashion, because of the spiritual and the moral breakdown of the society that we live in today, in many of the streets of our cities around the, our country, it's not safe. Some of them are not safe to walk down during the day. But many of them are certainly not safe to walk down during the night, even if you got the Holy Ghost. And so that, I'm not saying God won't protect us, but what I'm saying, the end result of that, we walk with fear. We walk with faster pace because we are living and reaping the reward of an idolatrous generation. Amen. A very, uh, a very sinful generation. So that should remind us of our need and responsibilities that we have to function as the church. And he gave us two things that describe the church, light and salt. And so we have to understand that that's a very, very important role that we play. Light is very important. If you don't, if you don't believe that, just wait till they go out. And then all of a sudden, you just realize how valuable light is. Salt can change. Salt doesn't conform itself to its surroundings, but it, it conforms the surroundings to itself. And so there's the church. There's the church. Amen. What a great picture of the church. So we need to understand we have been called as guardians of the truth to represent light and salt to this world. We ought to represent hope. I'm not trying to be too spiritually wishy-washy on you today, but I'm telling you that when we walk into a room and if you've got a, the Holy Ghost and you've got a relationship with God, a real relationship with God, I'm telling you, people ought to feel something when you walk up. 
Why? Because you're light and because you're salt. There ought to be something. I'm not saying just because you walk down an aisle in a hardware store, people just pass out. But I'm telling you, they ought to feel something. Something ought to be real and tangible, palatable about our relationship with God. We're called to illuminate darkness and we're called to preserve as salt. We're called to preserve our nation from decay. We cannot take a back seat. We cannot put our hand over our mouth and close our eyes to where we are in this world. But I say the church, amen, this is not a time to be going that way, but it's a time to be leaning this way. It's not a time to be sitting down, but it's a time to be rising up. Hallelujah. Why? Because we're light and we're salt. Oh, hallelujah. We've got to illuminate the darkness. We have got to preserve our nation from decay. They might say that the world is going to hell in a handbasket, but the church ought to be able to rise and say, but I'm not. Amen. And I'm going to do everything that I can. I'm going to make every effort that I possibly can to save everybody that I can. The church needs to stand and be counted as a guardian of the truth. These conditions of need represent opportunities for people of God. We need to gather together often for the teaching and the, and the encouragement of the Word of the Lord. It equips us to reach a lost world. It equips us to, to reach hurting people. If you're not careful, we can become so inverted with our own problems. Anybody here got any problems? You can be so caught up in your own problems, your own world, until you think, I can't reach outside of me. I don't have anything else to give. But when you come to church, we're challenged by the Word of God. We're challenged by the Spirit of God to break outside of our shell. Hear me, people that are teaching Sunday school classes this morning. They're not teaching Sunday school classes because they don't have anything else to do in their life. They're not doing that today because they're bored out of their mind and they thought they would go out there and do something this morning. They have a life. They have children. They have roles and responsibilities. But they said we've got a passion for children and children's ministry and we're going to plant the Word of God in their lives. In a few moments or a couple of hours, there are going to be people from this church that leave and go to various places today in the course of this day to minister the Word of God. They're going to go in nursing homes. They're going to go in jails. They're going to go in prisons. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to be guardians of the truth. They're going to walk in there with a light. Oh, it's so dark. That's all right. I've got a light. Amen. Oh, it's so dark outside. It's such a dismal day. That's all right. The church is a light. Amen. Somebody said, well, I don't have a lot to offer. If you've got just a little bit of light, if you've got just a little bit, you can give to God. Hallelujah. Amen. That's precisely what we see here in these disciples of Elisha. Let me say this. You cannot give something away you don't possess. Amen. We've got to stay untangled from the world. That's, we've got to, I can't get all caught up with that because I, I'm trying to give something to somebody, but I can't give something to someone that I've never experienced myself. I have a mission and we cannot forget the reasons nations turn away from the Lord. They become so wrapped up in their own pursuits that they forget that God is the giver of all things. Verse 38 says, And the sons of the prophets were sitting before him. They were in class, if you please, learning about the word. Listen intently to the prophet Elisha as he began to teach. And it was in the context of this physical and literal setting that God 
chooses to use an illustration to bring something home to us today. Right here in the middle of this, not only physical but spiritual famine, Elisha said to his servant, Sit on a great pot and seethe pottage for the sons of the prophets. Elisha was going to make two points. First, he was going to meet their need for food. But at the same time, he was going to use this as an opportunity to reinforce and to illustrate the importance of spiritual truth. The Hebrew word for pottage refers to soup or, or stew or that which is boiled in a pot. We, we may liken that to vegetable soup or something of that nature today to try to put it in a contemporary setting. Consisted many times of an assortment of things, various things. Oftentimes just vegetables, but sometimes, certainly maybe not in times of famine, but it would, in times of plenty, it would be vegetables and perhaps even meat. But the pot, if we think about this pot for just a moment, is much like the world. The pot had all kind of things in it. Just a hodgepodge of man's ideas. That's what the world has today. A hodgepodge of men's ideas and religions and cults and humanistic philosophies. And the list certainly goes on and on and on and on. And it's through these venues that people attempt to satisfy spiritual appetites and deal with spiritual famine that's in their world because we are all worshipers of something. I know you've heard this illustrated so many, many times through the years, but you drive or fly or, or hike to the most remote part of the world, and when you get there, you'll find men and women worshiping something. It may be the moon, it may be chickens, it may be cows, but they're worshiping something because man was born to worship. And so that's why we've got to be very, very careful that the, this hodgepodge of what all's in the world, I mean, you just, what, you just find something you're comfortable with and go with it because it's there. Now, it may be in absolute violation to the Word of God, but if you want to find something that will soothe your conscience, you just keep shopping because somebody has got a message that will make you feel better about yourself. But this is what we're going to... Since this, the Bible says, in I think Luke 4, it's illustrated, where that the Lord came to the disciples and they were reading from the book. Am I right? If I'm wrong about Luke 4, I'm still right about the illustration. <laughs> Some of you are very, very hesitant, so I could be wrong. <clears throat> but he took the book. They were reading from the book of Isaiah. He took the book. He read to them. And then the scripture says, and then he handed them the book again. Watch this. Because here is a valuable lesson. Jesus walks up, takes the word, reads from the word, hands the word back to the apostles. Now, you know where that word is today? It's still in the hand of the apostles. But there is coming a day that we're going to be judged. And you know what we're going to judge? be judged from? He's not going to pull out some manual and pop quiz or something we've never studied. He's going to take the book back. And we're going to be judged from these same, this same book. And so that's why we've got to use this. Amen. So we're not trying to defeat what we believe with a sign that's in this churchyard. 
We're not trying to defend what we believe by what we call ourselves, what our website says. We're defending what we believe by this book that I'm holding in my hand because this is what we're going to be judged out of. Amen. So when men come along with ideas and philosophies, I don't care how wonderful they sound, you better see if they line up with this. Because if they don't line up with this, we're going to be in trouble. Amen. I'm, I'm really, I'm really trying to hurry here, but we've got to make sure. Remember, they got the ingredients for the pottage. The Bible says, and these wild herbs, they got all these ingredients from the field. That's what the scripture says. The word field refers to an open, uncultivated area where you can only find things that grow wild. Stay with me now. He didn't say run down to the farmer's market. And get us some ingredients for the pottage. But he sent him to the field, or he went to the field. Amen. This unnamed gatherer went out and found what he thought was the ingredients for good stew. But what he found in the field, the field is a picture of the world. Are you staying with me now? Amen. What he found there were poisonous herbs. You can't just go into some uncultivated part of the world and think you're going to find spiritual help and advice. I'm preaching this morning. I'm telling you. Amen. And the fear of God that we better be careful where we're shopping. We better be careful where we lend in our ear and our heart and our passions because everywhere, I'm not the only one preaching this morning. There's pulpits all across our world. Somebody's preaching and declaring and some of it is false and if you don't know the difference, you may buy it. You may buy it. Amen, amen. I remember, I remember when I first got into the ministry and, you know, I just needed to buy some suits, uh, needed to buy some suits in the worst way. And so we were just a young couple married. We didn't, just like most young couples, we didn't have anything. We had each other in love. And corn on the cob and, and Ford Hook, frozen Ford Hook lima beans. And if it hadn't been for those love Ford Hook lima beans and corn on the cob, we wouldn't even be here today. <laughs> and so I went to a, a little men's store and I found me a suit on sale. Oh, it was a gorgeous suit. Black on black. I remember it like it was just yesterday. Black on black. Oh, it was Fabulous. So you talking about looking like a preacher, but friend, I evermore look like a preacher when I, and we got it for near nothing. Oh, just a sale, the sale of the century. And I don't know anything about this. Some of you seamstresses in this house can, might, might explain this, but I, I found out that that suit, there was something wrong because the more you walk, the waist started twisting. I'm not even kidding. And so you'd walk a few steps and pull your pants around. Walk a few steps, pull your pants around. But I was looking good. <laughs> I've often said if I've often said if an emergency or something broke out and I had to take off running, I probably got squeezed to death. <laughs> you better be careful where you're shopping, that's my point. You better be careful. It may look good. But if you gotta stop every three steps and adjust it, there's something wrong. There's something up. Amen. I'm not just trying to make you laugh today. I'm trying to make you think. Amen. We need to rise in this hour and think. Amen. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Amen. God, give us some fear. Give us some of your word. Give us some anointing. Oh, touch our hearts and our minds. We are guardians of the truth. We are guardians of the truth. We're guardians of the truth. 
We're not just here to sing. We're not just here to clap our hands. We're not here to just look pretty. We're the church triumphant. And He's going to take this book again. We're going to be judged from this book. And so we had better be careful. Amen. We had better be careful. And so He sent Him into the field. Into the world. Ushers, bless your heart. Just do... (laughs) Do what you can. I'm sorry. Tell you like the Lord. Do what you can. I don't know what you need to do with the Sunday school folks, but don't leave them out there too long. Bring them in. They won't interrupt this. Amen. The word field is just an uncultivated area, and so he sent him out there. This picture of the world, poisonous herbs, untrained in these matters. This man mistook something that looked good, and, and he brought in something that was bitter and poisonous. There's no doubt that the world is full of poisonous ideas and philosophies. They look harmless. Some even resemble the truth, but they're bitter. And they'll bring death to our spirit, man. So to be able to recognize this, we need to be trained in the Word of God. That's why we need to be here when the preaching's going on. See, the preacher's not on a tangent. Amen. We're not on some tangent here when we keep saying, come on now, be faithful. Come on now, be loyal. Come on now, be faithful. You know why? Because we know when you get here, we're not just going to be singing and dancing and goofing around. Somewhere in the course of all this, some word is going to go forward. We're going to take some seed and we're going to throw it out there and that seed's going to lodge in our heart. And it trains us and it teaches us. Amen. And so we need, in order to recognize this, we have to be trained. That's why Paul told Timothy, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You need to know this. You need to know this. Unsuspectingly, they dished up this poisonous stew. However, it was bitter and undoubtedly quickly began to experience ill effects in some way. They got up in fear and they said, there he is. Now you just walk with me in this story. They're eating in a famine. I think I'm safe to say they were hungry. And it smelled good and it looked good being dipped out. This wasn't just a little fifth Sunday dinner, a little getting together. It was a famine. And they began to eat and all of a sudden something went terribly wrong. And somebody stood up and screamed, there is death. In this pot. Elisha didn't say, Oh my Lord, what are we going to do? I wish Elijah was here. I, I, I know he, I remember he mentioned something one time about this. Uh, if I could just pull that. No, 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 no. No, no. When he said, There is death in the pot, they, they cried. They cried. Hear me today. The lesson here is clear. The world is full of poisonous ideas and, and, and false solutions to our life, to, to, to the undiscriminating ear and eye. It may sound good. It may look good. But it is full of death. The preacher is saying it's full of death today. Amen. The second thing we need to understand is the church's responsibility in Jesus Christ and in His Word is the answer. We have the answer. I'm coming to my point here this morning. Amen. The means of eternal life is found in Him and Him alone. Unfortunately, our tendency is to follow our own instincts, that which seems right to us. As the Word of God challenges us, we should never forget the words of Solomon. Solomon said this, in Proverbs, if you will, put it on the screen. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. If you're in a storm, I'm saying trust in the Lord and lean not to your own 
own understanding. If you're facing a famine and you're plagued in your mind and in your spirit, in Jesus' name I say trust in the Lord and lean not to your own understanding. I don't understand how it's going to fix. I don't under, I don't know how it's all going to work out. Don't put your trust in you. Don't put your trust in what you can handle. He said, but in all thy ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct their paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Now watch something very important here. Elijah, Elijah doesn't panic. He knows what to do. He says, bring me some meal or some flour and threw it into the pot and by the miracle of God, the poison was neutralized. Amen. Now there's a powerful spiritual truth here because meal or flour is used in making bread and Jesus said what? I am the bread of life. You got some problems? Put Jesus in the mix. Amen. You Have you gone and gathered up something out of the field? Put Jesus in the mix. He'll take care of that. Amen. If we'll bring Jesus on the scene, if we'll put Jesus in what we're doing, hallelujah. Amen. We need Jesus in what we're doing. It doesn't matter what it is. We need God to be a part of what we are doing. Amen. So he said we're going to bring that. The point of this lesson is this, that it is God, His Word that reveals His truth. John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the 14th verse it says that Word became flesh. We know that flesh as Jesus. So I'm telling you today that God's Word revealed Jesus Christ, and Jesus is the antidote for the death that is in the pot. Only Jesus can give life. Only Jesus can give hope. Remove spiritual famine. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hear me today. We're guardians. We're guardians of this truth. We gotta rise to the occasion and be the church God has called us to be. Now I would be remiss if I stopped preaching right here. Amen. I'm not just trying to preach on because I've got preachers itch, but here's a point that needs to be made. In verse 41, you ready for this? He said, bring me some meal and throw the meal in there. And in verse 41, he says, pour out. (laughs) That the people may eat. Now, wait a minute. You didn't pour the pot out and make another pot of stew. You just threw some meal here. And I heard the man say there was death in the pot. But he said, eat. Amen. We need to know that in order to live, they had to eat the now harmless and life-giving pot of stew. We must feed. Here's the truth of it all. We must feed on the Word of God. Say, well, I've been disappointed in times past. Well, who hasn't? I've had people let me down. So have I. Scoot over. Amen. We'll all get in the same canoe together. I've had people lie to me. Yes, sir. Isn't that the truth? I've had people rob and be uh, be unethical. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. And all under the name of the church. Yes. <laughs> my grandfather was here. I can't get my leg up even nearly as high. Not even going to try. <laughs> He used to say things something like this. You know, they're not going to make the pond so muddy. I'm not going to swim in it. And there's, that's just church leave uh, advice, but it is good advice. I mean, we've all been hurt. We've all been disappointed. He said, pour it out and eat again. Oh, I, 
I don't know about this. How are we gonna, how are we gonna make it? We're just gonna keep coming back. We're just gonna keep coming back. We're just gonna keep coming back. I'm not, I'm not trying to be crass here this morning, but do you think that all these people that are sitting here, they're only here because they've never had a problem, they've never been hurt, they've never been disappointed, never been disillusioned? No, 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 no. A thousand times no. There's probably more scars in this building than we could count. But the reason they're here this morning is because they realize that we've thrown some meal into the pot. We put Jesus in the mix. And I'm going back. I'm going back again and again and again and again because He is my only hope. Amen. Let's stand. There is no neutral position in this thing. No, 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 no. A thousand times no. No neutral position. Because either we are feeding off the Word of God and allowing the Word of God to shape and hone and mold, or the world is shaping and honing and molding. I'll give you a simple illustration of this, and I'm not, somebody's going to think I just really ran off the road here. But, you know, I hear a lot of church people say, well, that was just karma. Holy Ghost filled people. You think about what you're saying and figure out where that came from. And then figure out where they got it from. Because the principle is here. And so when next time you feel the need to say it's karma, don't say that. You need to say, that's the law of the harvest. Amen. So, so where are you going with all that, preacher? I'm talking about how the world influences us, our thinking, and, and how it molds and shapes us and... We don't think anything about that. Well, some of you are looking at me cross-eyed right now. That's all right. That's all right. Because what I'm, my point in saying all of this is that the world is shaping our values. And, and the world is honing our vernacular. And it's feeding us our vocabulary. I'm going to tell you that, that when you do good and something good happens, that's the promises of God. Amen. When, and, and when, that's the promises of God. And when, when, when you do something, when we do something unwise, the Bible says if you sow to the wind, you're going to reap a whirlwind. And so you're going to, when you put something in the ground, you're going to get that back. But you're going to get it back in spades. So think about that. Because you can't just push one bean in the dirt and get one bean back. That would be pretty nice when it comes to bad things. <laughs> but that's not how it works. Now, here, here we go. One last scripture. I'm coming in for a landing. Landing gear's down. Lights are on. Romans 8 and 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. That's an irrevocable truth. Worldly-minded people are worldly-minded. Spiritually minded people are spiritually minded. For there, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. God's word must transform us. And the only way that word is going to stay at the forefront and stay front and center is if the church realizes that we are guardians of the truth. If, it go, if the light goes out, on our watch, we are responsible. Amen. Amen. God help us.
God help us. Can we slip our hands heavenward and love the Lord today? In Jesus' name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.